This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. I recorded these sounds that you hear now immediately after the Scotland match. I uh, simply lay still on my bed and inserted a small microphone into my left ear and I pushed record. And when I played the sound file back, this is what I heard. Now, I didn't know if that was what normally was going on in my head. So I recorded again in the same way the next day when I was a little calmer and I heard this. So it was weird. Um, I'm not sure what's going on in my head, but it's scientifically incredible, or at least it would be if it were true. Um, how are you feeling? Most people, I feel like, are not as upset as I am about this result. Um, I'll get into that later. I will say that it is now Tuesday, three days after the Calcutta Cup defeat, really, because it was a draw. But, of course, we lost the Cal- or Scotland retained the Calcutta Cup. And I am not much happier. Um, but I got this annoying habit. And this really pisses me off of I whistle and I sing a lot, even when I'm depressed. Like people who know me well know that if I'm walking around my house whistling and singing, that's no guarantee that I'm in a good mood. You might hear me sometimes walking around singing and then be like, oh, Eddie's in a good mood, but he's not. He's not. He's not in a good mood. He wants to kill uh, Scottish people. No, that's not true. Just just, just generally upset. And uh But it bothers me. I wish I didn't do that. Today I was taking a shower and I always sing in the shower. So I was getting in the shower and uh, I I was singing and I stopped myself. So I went, no, fuck, why am I singing? I'm not happy enough. I'm not enjoying, like, why am I doing this? And it's weird, isn't it? Because generally you sing when you're happy. Then again, when I started thinking about this, some songs are specifically for when you're not happy. You know, I'm talking... Radiohead, um, uh, Morrissey, uh, other depressing things like that. Um, those are presumably, well, they're, they're, they're sad songs and presumably when they were written, 
They were written by someone who was depressed, but that didn't make sense either because there's no way I would want to do that. I remember listening to, I can't remember who it was, but I always remember somebody once at a, at a show. It's probably just some shitty local band, but I remember he was going, yeah, um, this next song is, uh, comes from, from a very dark place. I was actually suicidal when I wrote it. I remember this guy, whoever the fuck he was saying that because I call bullshit. Right. I don't believe that when you're suicidal, you wrote a song. Who the fuck is going to be But like that? Suicidal is the most depressed you can be. OK, you're not going to get shit done. You're not going to be creative. You know, I felt suicidal before. And I can tell you right now, when I'm feeling suicidal, I can't even bring myself to kill myself. And that's what I most want to do. So I'm not going to be creating fucking hit singles and shit. I don't believe it. Who has ever been so depressed that they went, oh, God, I'm depressed. I'm, I'm sad in the pain that comes through my brain into my veins. And, oh, I feel a song coming on. Oh, so I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to kill myself. I put a bullet right in my ass. That was stupid. You wouldn't kill yourself like that, would you? I would. If I if I kill myself, I will shoot shoot myself up my asshole, and I will uh, make it a murder suicide. I will get a powerful gun, bend over, open my mouth, and find an enemy. I don't know who. Maybe McAnally. No, I no some some just some piece of shit. I'll just open my mouth and just up my ass, out my mouth. He's dead. I'm dead everyone's happy except we're not we're depressed because it's rugby ranter banter episode 43 let's go God, it's awful, isn't it? It's awful. What a horrible, horrible game. Um, and I mean game, not the match. The whole game of rugby I now hate. I I feel like, I think I said this earlier, um, not many people seem to be quite as upset as I am about this. And I've had people on Twitter trying to coach me into into the idea that it's not that big of a deal. You know, we played some great rugby all tournament. Don't worry about this one god-awful fucking second half of rugby. Uh, in the grand scheme of things, we're doing well. But I'm not sure we are, for reasons I'll explain. First of all, so well done to, to Wales. I, it doesn't it doesn't pain me to say that, by the way. You know, because I, I actually, after this, uh, after the, I got, trust me, you've never seen anyone as angry as me during this rugby match, I was freaking out. My children were hiding from me. It was terrible. And I remember thinking, God, I'm a terrible sport, but you know, I'm not a bad sport. I'm not. Um, I can handle losing under normal circumstances. And I'm perfectly happy with Wales getting the grand slam. I think that if anything, I feel like Wales haven't been given the respect that they deserve. Cause a lot of people, they give them a sort of a backhanded compliment of, um, 
Yes, Wales, well done, Wales. They were the best team in that they got the Grand Slam, but they didn't play the best rugby. They kind of played a boring style of rugby, and some of those games were very, very close. Blah, 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 blah. blah. It doesn't matter. Wales, to me, have been consistently good for years now. And, you know, if you're an England supporter, you're used to people accusing your team of playing boring rugby. I feel like that's kind of finally gone away now. I haven't heard anyone really accuse England of playing boring up-the-jumper rugby in a long, long time. But there was a time when they said that. And we would always, you know, the, the standard response would be, hey, we won, you know? What are you crying about? We won. We won. It's You can counter any argument with that. We won. And Wales can do the same. Who gives a shit if it's not super exciting to watch? They won. And <clears throat> it. I was going to say they have a realistic shot at the World Cup, but do they? It's a tricky thing, the World Cup. You know, it's psychologically, it's so hard. When you're playing at that level, there's so much psychological baggage that go that goes along with winning in the World Cup, and I, it's kind of stupid to say this because, of course, everybody has to win a World Cup. Every nation at one point hadn't won a World Cup, but I do think that if you've won the World Cup before, it's a decent advantage. New Zealand, Australia, South Africa, and England all have that, and they can go into World Cup knowing well we've done it before, and know the Sevens World Cup does not count Wales. Jesus Christ. But um yeah, I very I think the chances of Wales winning the World Cup are pretty slim, but it's possible. You know, which I wouldn't say about Scotland, for example. I mean, that's literally impossible. Scotland couldn't win the World Cup. Completely impossible. I'll I'll, I'll get more bitter and more um nasty as this goes on probably as i start to remember all of the things that happened i will tell you this i have to remember because i don't have any notes i wrote i have an old notebook that uh from years ago from university it's got it has a bunch of what the fuck was it uh, some logic class i took or something yeah can you believe it i took a class on logic and critical thinking and i do not I did not retain or remember anything I learned in that class. But anyway, I had this old notebook and I started using it to write uh, rugby notes down as I was watching the match. And then uh, a couple of days later, my wife complained about tons of paper in the back garden from the that the dogs had been tearing up. Went outside. It was my fucking notebook. They tore it to shreds, those cunts. Anyway, um, so I don't have a... You know, unless I go looking for their dog shit and and extracting the paper that way, which if you've been listening long enough, you'll remember does actually happen. There's intact newspaper prints in their shit from when they they eat anything. They're weird, but anyway, what the hell was I even talking about? Okay, let's just let's just start from the get go. Yeah, so going into this match, I was oh before I do this, I meant to talk about this last week since the Calcutta Cup match was coming up. You've all heard the story, right, about Dean Richards and John Jeffrey. Is it John Jeffrey or John Jeffries? I think it's John Jeffries. Beating the shit out of the Calcutta Cup. Okay, I'm sure you know the story, but the general gist of it is it was after a Calcutta match. 
the teams are hanging out, having their 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 dinner together. They're all getting shit faced, and at some point, Dean Richards and John Jeffrey slash Jeffries, who I guess are buddy buddy with each other, got a hold of the Calcutta Cup, took it out onto the streets of Edinburgh or wherever the hell they were, and started playing football with it, and beat it like completely destroyed the cup, and then they got a bollocking. And they had uh, somebody had to uh, fix the Calcutta Cup, so it's not really the same now as it used to be. How the fuck did either of them ever play for their country again? I don't. I see. This is a situation where I start sounding like an old fuddy-duddy or or just a, a dickhead, as kids call them these days. But um, fucking Manu Tuolangi jumped into the ocean. He jumped off a boat. And got suspended for God knows how long. Everyone went mental, got fined. And yet, Dean Richards, who I love. I love Dean Richards. I think he is an all-time England great. How the fuck... As I recall, Dean Richards kind of got a slap on the wrist. And John Jeffries, slash John Jeffries, whatever his name is, got like a decent ban from the Scottish Rugby Union. Which is pretty ridiculous but i don't understand it i thought that i thought it was a bunch of old farts in charge you'd think they would say oh this is unacceptable you never play for his country again and yet it was sort of just people talk about it now like it's just a a funny little story i genuinely how fucking disrespectful can you be i can't imagine no matter how drunk i was thinking let's take this god knows how old incredibly important national treasure there's there's dogs at the door fucking hell they're scratching i might have to stop this in a second and deal with them but this national treasure this this icon of rugby and destroy it how did they i was about to say live how did they survive why are they still alive why weren't they murdered for that you know what i mean anyway that's just a side note i thought that was fucking ridiculous but it was nowhere near as bad as what this England team performed, uh, produced over the weekend. So, let me make this, let me make something very clear, first of all. As I sort of hinted at, some people are putting things into perspective and saying, grand scheme of things, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. Now, let me tell you something. Up until this weekend, the worst I've ever felt, probably, well, I don't know if it's the worst I've ever, ever felt, but the worst sort of, to anybody who was watching rugby in the 90s, it was 98, the England tour of hell, when England toured Australia, and I'm going to see how much we lost by. Hang on a second. England tour of hell, rugby, 98. I think it was 98. Yeah. Tour of Australasia and South Africa. Now, what was the result? There was an unbelievably terrible result. 76 nil we lost to australia 76 nil and i remember that was the day no it wasn't the day i picked up a couch in fury it might have been i don't think so i remember it was such an ass kicking that my stepbrother started cheering on australia which was and then and then a friend of mine uh and i a friend of ours and i got angry with him um, I think I've mentioned this before. So there you go. You see, it sticks with you. It was a really bad day. 
But this England-Scotland match made me feel worse. And the reason is this. That team that toured Australasia and South Africa in 98 was severely under strength, uh, missing tons of key players. It was really a pretty sloppy England A-side with a number of players who who really weren't even in the picture. And it's at the end of a hard season. And this is when Australia were really in their heyday. This was, this was like a golden age of Australian um, rugby. They won the World Cup the next year. Um, so as awful as it was, you couldn't take it too seriously. Now, this England-Scotland match, on the other hand, going into this, I knew we would win. I knew it. There was no doubt. There was no, oh, what if Scotland show up and play well? Doesn't matter. We're so much better than them. I look at the teams. Eh, that Scotland team, in my opinion, even when they have all their players, which you're never going to have, but even when they have all their best players, um, I was going to say no disrespect to Scotland, but this is disrespectful. I don't think they're anywhere near as good as people like to think. I know Finn Russell can do some special stuff. He's a good player. And they have some good players. But they're just nowhere near the standard, the quality of what we have in this England squad right now. Nowhere near. So when you add to the equation, it's at Twickenham. They beat us last year. Eddie Jones, who likes to run his mouth at the worst possible times in the worst possible way, is talking about how oh we remember what it was like last year they said a lot of shit they said a lot of shit now we he didn't say that he didn't say it like that but you know the general gist of his of his uh quote was that they remember the attitude of Scotland after they won and they wanted to have their revenge on them and when they, when the game started despite my huge amount of confidence despite my absolute certainty that we would win and probably pretty comfortably i was blown away at the dominance that this england team team england team produced they came out of the blocks what did they score after two and a half minutes something like that i can't remember and i don't have my notes but just it got to the point where i started feeling bad every time it would show gregor townsend i would i was like ah oh, fuck poor god this is humiliating what are they going to do? Like, I mean, I want to win, but I don't want them to kill themselves after this. This is horror show stuff. Jack Knoll looked amazing, looked unstoppable. Henry Slade, little flicks out the back, little uh, reverse passes. And, and, and just, it looked like, I mean, even the commentators were sort of saying this. And... I can't remember who it was, but one of the commentators, I remember saying he referenced a game last Six Nations, I think, or maybe maybe it was this Six Nations. I can't remember. He referenced some game where he said that England built a big lead, but then let it slip. But he added, I'm sure Eddie Jones will not have let them forget that. And they won't make the same mistake again now. And, and the whole time it was just, the commentators were kind of mirroring my opinion. It's like, fuck, what a Scotland. They just need to hold on till the end of the first half. Now, that being said, even when we were winning comfortably, there were a few times I got upset. I know early on, 20-something minutes in, about 24 minutes in, we were 21-0 up, and Farrell opted to go for goal. 
which didn't make sense to me because surely they were in a they were they were in the Scottish 22, right? Maybe not in, but maybe on. It was all I remember is we had all the momentum. We were pretty much ragdolling Scotland, and I couldn't understand why at 21 nil up after 20 odd minutes. You wouldn't go for the jugular, take a scrum or kick to the corner, but he kicked for goal. Then it all went to shit. Um, McAnally charges down at Owen Farrell kick. Now, charges it down, chases the ball, bounces up nicely. This is all against the run of play. Completely against the run of play. So you're kind of like... Oh, let's see what happens. It doesn't really matter. Anyway, Farrell trots after him at a leisurely pace. I'm going to get into Owen Farrell later. Johnny May runs after him, tries some half-ass weird attempt to tackle him around the ankles, and McAnally just skips out and scores under the post. Now, look, yeah, everybody's talking about how fast McAnally is. He's nowhere near as fast as Johnny May. I don't know if he's faster than Owen Farrell, but Johnny May is twice as fast as him all he had to do was fucking put his foot down wait a second longer and wrap him up properly and take him down but maybe they were thinking what i was thinking when he scored it doesn't matter it's annoying but it doesn't matter because we are going to win this game because we are a hundred times better than them we're kicking the shit out of them and that was against the run of play but no England did their very best to throw the match away. You know what happened. Stupid, shitty, weird offloads, uh, mindless passing, passing straight to Scottish players. Um, I should point out the second Scotland try I thought was brilliant. Darcy Graham is a is a slippery, deceptively powerful player. Uh, I've been impressed with him throughout the tournament. But then in the second half, a weird thing happened because at the end of the first half and and early in the second half, I felt like England were getting complacent. When we're getting cocky, um, trying too hard and not not really respecting Scotland, because even if you're way better than another team, you've got to respect them to some degree. You can't do this kind of weird shit. Um, then when things started to get a little bit worse, they reverted to this stupid, stupid, aimless kicking game. And I got to be honest with you. When Ben Youngs threw the ball straight at McGuigan, I thought two things. I thought England are looking mentally weak, which is funny because Eddie Jones said that later. They seem mentally weak. Actually, I guess I thought three things. I thought this England team is mentally weak. They should have put this game to bed ages ago. And now it's. We got up at that point. It was a seven point gap. Once Scotland equalized, I thought. I can't watch this. And I stopped watching and I waited and I fast forwarded through it later. And I watched as the as as our, as we. As Scotland led the game. And I watched in, in disbelief and saw that we equalized and I wanted to kill myself. It was awful, awful, awful. Now, I realize like all I'm doing is, is complaining about shit that you already know and you already saw. But I'll say this. 
it is every bit as bad as I feel like it is. It, it, it is a disaster. It is a disaster. And I'll tell you why. <sighs> this is not the first time I've seen the England team look mentally weak and fall apart when the pressure's on. Because you'd like to think a really good team, when the pressure's on, they maintain their cool, they figure out how to win, and they get the job done. And England was so much better than Scotland, they should have been able to do that, but they didn't. They got worse and worse and worse. And what's interesting is Elliot Daly at fullback, who up until now hadn't really been tested much, kind of was found out a little bit defensively. And I'm not going to put the blame entirely on him. And I'm not going to say that if you had Mike fucking Brown at fullback, we would have won easily. But it does make you wonder, because this is what Eddie Jones has persisted with now. Elliot Daly at fullback, every match, right? Other teams are watching. They've watched what's happened. And it doesn't take a coaching genius to say, okay, if we can put pressure on this England team, they start to struggle. And their fullback is potentially a defensive weakness. And then what? What do we do? If Eddie Jones doesn't put Mike fucking Brown in the squad, who's going who's gonna to clear up that mess when it comes to the crunch? Jack Knoll, who hasn't played there for England? Or did he? Did he for a tiny bit? And then someone got injured? I can't even remember. But this this is this is the problem. I'm not going to say, okay, it's not all about fullback. It's not all about mental weakness. The other issue I have, though, is the counter argument to what I'm saying is that England looked good more often than they looked bad in this tournament. But, and I hate it when people say this, I've never said this before, because it's pretty much impossible to prove. But I feel like the standards this Six Nation have been lower than they normally are. Because if you look at it, and this is not now I'm sort of going back on what I said about Wales being a great team and a deserving Grand Slam champions, but Wales won the Grand Slam despite, you know, not necessarily playing great the entire tournament. Ireland, we beat Ireland, Wales beat Ireland. But this Irish team, I feel like, is in a similar position to the one that England was in last year. And I don't know enough about Joe Schmidt to be able to say conclusively that he does the same thing that eddie jones does but do you remember when eddie jones was first um hired as england coach one of the criticisms criticisms of him was that he could get short-term success but long-term burnout and failure that i read it more than a few times that he's very good at coming in shaking things up getting a team fired operating on the same page and getting results, but over time, it always goes downhill. Now, that hasn't necessarily been, I wouldn't say we've gone straight downhill, but we've, our trajectory has not been upward. It went straight up, then straight down, and now it's kind of wiggling all over the place. Now, you could say, well, that's because the Six Nations is very competitive, but I would argue none of these teams, this, this Six Nations, have been great. As I say, the Irish team, you know, it's pretty clear that they're not the team they were last year. Team of the year, beating the All Blacks, beating everyone. They have not looked the same. And then France have been a, a fucking joke. Italy are always a joke. They just are. 
And then you've got Scotland. Finished fifth and had so many injuries they could barely compete unless they were playing against England, where the gods conspired to ruin my fucking life. Um, and then we've got the captaincy issue. See, here's the thing. I think I'm a huge Owen Farrell fan, but one of the things I love about Owen Farrell is his tenacity is his combativeness, is his aggression, is the fact that people constantly, everyone hates him. He should be hated. That's the key to his brilliance. He's cocky, he's angry, and he's a bit of a dickhead. Now, when he was was made captain, you could see he comes out on the pitch with a fucking smile on his face. He smiles at the ref. He smiles at his opposite number, at the opposite captain, shakes hands throughout the game. Yep, yep, sir. Yes, yes, yes. All very, very nice. He's not pushing anyone. He's not getting in anyone's face. He's not yelling at people. And he's not looked as good as a result. I really do think that by giving him the captaincy, it's not his fault. If he's going to be captain, he can't be doing all those things. But by taking that away from him, you dull his point of difference you dull his sharpest weapon which is his aggression and tenacity so i think it's a it's been a big mistake to have him as captain um easy to say in hindsight i didn't know i figured he'd still do a good job but it's definitely not worked so I'm, i put a poll on twitter to see who people wanted to be captain um and so far it seems like Marotoji is the number one choice and i'm okay with that i think he would be good but he's been injured a fair bit too this is the problem. So you need to have a number of leaders. That's another thing that most people agree on is that this England squad doesn't have enough leadership. The only way you can do that is by putting people in these positions and finding out. So I suppose Owen Farrell having been captain, if he is in the future not captain, he's still going to be a leader within the within the squad and it will have benefited him. But I don't know what the fuck to do. I don't think Dylan Hartley's... I ju- you just can't rely on Dylan Hartley just forget about him because he's injured more often than not and I I can't see he could be back for the World Cup but Jesus Christ he's not played um let's see what else was I going to talk about um I don't want to talk I want to talk about Eddie Jones a little bit more because it is like don't don't mistake my complaining for what some England fans are doing, which is calling for the heads of all of the coaches and all of, and half the squad. And I don't feel that way. I still think that for the most part, we have the core of a really good squad, but something's off. Um, bottom line is Eddie Jones is going to be there until the world cup. I've criticized him a lot over his selections. Um, I criticized him a lot about the way he conducts himself, the things he said, you think he even, the number of times in the past, you know, the number of times in the past, he's motivated the other team by talking a bunch of shit, building up to it, building up to the match. Well, I don't know if you caught this, but this weekend, he motivated Wales. He did his best to vote motivate Wales to win the Grand Slam by saying, what did he say? He said, you can see they're getting tired. Said that Wales looked like they were getting tired. I guarantee the Welsh could go, look what this fucking prick coaching England said about us. Let's shove this down their throats. Somehow he managed to motivate a Celtic team playing against another Celtic team. 
That was a great win too. What an ass kicking. Um, he says stupid things. And as I say, I've had issues with his selections, you know, but for the most part, his selections have worked. However, there's some weird shit going on, right? Like his, his absolute refusal to play more than one scrum half throughout the last couple of years. I mean, he finally got Dan Robson in there and gave him about 20 minutes of rugby. The whole tournament. And now he's injured. Ben Spencer, he took out to Australia and never played. This is insane. This is not something... I mean, I haven't heard him try to explain his logic. And remember, I took a logic and critical thinking class. You can read my dog's shit if you don't believe me. Um, passed the class with an A. Passed the cl- Finished the course early because my, gr- my points were so high. I walked in the last week. There were still two classes. And the teacher said, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm here to learn. And he said, you don't need to. You've already got maximum points. You can stay if you want, otherwise you can just leave. And I took that as a final sort of quiz and said, yes, the logical thing to do is to walk out now. I am bragging, but that really did happen. Um, and it was an honors class. Um, the hell was I saying? Yeah, I don't know what Eddie Jones's logic it was or is behind wanting to play Ben Young's for 80 minutes every single week. But I've never heard him explain it, and it doesn't, I can't see any sensible explanation unless it's, well, he's the only good scrum half we have. I have no faith in any other scrum halves. And if that's the case, even that doesn't make sense because then you go, holy shit, this is an emergency. We've got to develop another scrum half. Dan Robson, you're starting against Italy and you're going to be coming on every single match. If we've got a lead and it's comfortable enough, I'm bringing you on. Or I'm going to start you in this match, and if it doesn't go well, I'm taking you off right away. Jesus Christ. It's really weird. Um, Weird selections like Brad Shields. Brad Shields. Now, I feel like we all feel a bit sorry for Brad Shields now because he's gotten a lot of flack, which wasn't really his fault. All he was, All he did was say, yeah, I'll fucking play international rugby for a shit ton of money. Yeah, I'll do that. And then we all went mad and said, what the fuck has he been picked for? And now it's sort of night. We all kind of wanted him to do well, I feel like. In the last couple of matches, he started to look pretty good. And we're like, you know what? Brad Shields, he's pretty. I, I see why he's there. But realistically, he shouldn't have been there. He should never have been there. And um, there's been a few weird selections like, well, more than a few, not to mention all of these players. I mean, I've ranted about this so many times in the past bringing in young players like Marcus Smith only to discard them, bringing in young players we've never heard of. Then when we go, oh, yeah, I see why you got him in there. Well, now I'm not going to pick him, he says. What the fuck? But, I mean, his record... That's the problem with Eddie Jones. I've said this before. I was highly critical of, of having Daly at fullback. And I desperately wanted Mike fucking Brown at fullback. I still think Mike fucking Brown is the best option at fullback. However... England were playing so well this Six Nations, or seemingly playing so well, I couldn't really criticize him. I can't really, when you're winning and playing well, and Daly didn't seem to be a problem, didn't seem to be having any problems playing fullback, it really kind of shut me up. And even now, I'm not going to say, I told you, because I don't think that Daly was 
awful by any means. Um, although, as I, as I mentioned, that second half, the majority of that second half against the Scotland, against Scotland, I watched in bits and bobs. So I may have missed some shockers by him. But for the most part, I think he was just a little bit. Eh. But as I said, I'm not saying that Mike fucking Brown being there would have changed the result in any way. But it, I doubt it would have hurt, you know. And what if Daly gets injured? Who's going back there? Jack Knoll. Who else is there? I guess he could bring Mike fucking Brown back in. Um, but Eddie Jones's record, and this is why I, I, I don't want to talk too much shit, his record is actually very good. Uh, he's won two Six Nations titles. He was coach of the year in 2017. Had a successful whitewash series in Australia, which we all loved. His record is good, but this is with all of the resources of the RFU, the richest union in world rugby. And as I said, his trajectory has not been straight up. It's been down and wiggly. It's not really the way you would want it to go. So what's next? The World Cup's coming up. I, I'll tell you what. My, our chances of winning the World Cup have gone up for me since last, last year's debacle when we had the worst Six Nations of all time. We came bloody fifth, which is, I still find it hard to believe as I say that as I hear myself say that out loud. But anyway, now I'd say, you know, last year I said there was no chance of winning the World Cup. Now I still think there is a chance. I, I do think Eddie Jones might have a master plan where things will peak for the World Cup. But I could easily be proven wrong. Eddie Jones is so unpredictable. Um, but I'm already excited for after the... I'm more excited. And this is just... This isn't some weird, like, hatred of Eddie Jones thing. I just find, I just enjoy fresh starts and new beginnings. I'm more excited about after the World Cup when Eddie Jones quits and we get a new coach in. I'm more excited about that. I'm looking forward to finding out who's going to be our new coach and building a new, a new squad of players that will take on the World Cup challenge four years later. Who's it going to be? I still want it to be Warren Gatland. And can you imagine? It's Imagine Warren Gatland with Sean Edwards coming to England. It would be so weird because the Welsh will feel betrayed. And I understand it. It will feel like a betrayal. But Warren Gatland is not Welsh. And Sean Edwards is fucking English. So... Oh, it'd be weird. That must be so... I wonder if the, the that... I wonder if the connections they've made, the camaraderie, the emotional connections they've made with that England squad and with the country, Wales itself, I wonder if that is enough to stop Warren Gatland from taking the money and coaching England. I hope not. I want him to do it. Even if only to to see if, like, because on paper, Warren Gatland with England should be a recipe for, for, for dominance, world rugby dominance. And uh, I'm, I would be very interested to see how that played out and very interested to see what he did in terms of selections because with Wales, no disrespect to Wales at all, they've got world-class players and they've got decent depth. But for the most part, their team picks itself, you know. Maybe not so much today as a few years when he was first sort of on the scene with Wales. But, you know, certainly 
it's much easier to pick a Welsh team than pick an England team that everyone can agree on, you know? So when he's in it, if, <laughs> when, if he takes over with England, he's going to be spoiled for choice. And I wonder how that's going to work out for him. I'd be interested to see. Um, whoever, if it's not, whoever, whoever it is, needs to be someone who can pick the best players and get the most out of those players. Probably, yeah, probably getting the most out of the squad is more important than picking the best players because we've got such strength in depth. Um, and right now, God, this England team. Do you know what? I tweeted the other day that England are the new France, which no one, no one, no one responded to because I assumed they thought it was insane or stupid. But really think about it. The old France was a team that had flair, could play exciting rugby, on their day could be anyone, but they were equally capable of losing to anyone. Now, I suppose, you know, who of England... England have never lost to Italy, so I, I guess we can't... Re- well, that's more of the new France. The old France would never have lost to Italy. And England nowadays, we're very much in that mould. We could beat New Zealand on our day if we get it all right, but then we could tie to Scotland, a weakened Scotland side with a fucking 30-point cushion. Or whatever the hell it was. There's a dog chewing on the shed. I can hear it grinding its teeth. Oh, my God. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, I don't know. Let me know if you uh, have any complaints, any issues, whatever. Or if you want to say something nice. It's been a very rough weekend. Shush! been a rough weekend for uh, all England fans and uh, podcasters in general. I was listening to Maul Over, the great Maul Over rugby podcast, and Russ Milsom, start, he started his podcast feeling exactly how I felt, literally saying, well, not literally, basically saying, why do I even fucking bother with this podcast? I feel like that sometimes, but that's life. Um, thanks for listening. I'm going to go now. Bye.